Hello, everyone. You're listening to Audiobookish. This is a podcast about audiobooks. My name's Fahed Rahman. I'm joined by Poppy Knight. Hello. And the book that we're going to be doing today is Somebody Loves You by Mona Arshi. I'll read out the blurb for the book. Ruby is a girl who rarely speaks. Her mother is mentally ill and her older sister, Rania, is eccentric and challenging to live with. In this hybrid novel, Arshi puts a new slant on the diasporic voice as a fictionalised memoir intertwines with poetry to explore the infinite tiny wounds of family life, the damage we do to those we love most and the power of love to heal that damage and help us forgive in the face of unspeakable grief and trauma that permeates our DNA. And Poppy will read out the author bio. Yes, so... Mona Arshi was born in West London, where she still lives. She worked as a human rights lawyer for Liberty for a decade before receiving a master's in creative writing from the University of East Anglia. Her debut poetry collection, Small Hands, was published in 2015, winning the Forward Prize, Felix Dennis Prize, for Best First Collection. Mona Arshi regularly appears on Radio 4, with commissions for Book of the Week and Front Row. Her poems have been published in The Sunday Times, The Guardian and The Times of India and most recently, the London Underground. Mona Arshi has recently been appointed Honorary Professor in both English and Law at the University of Liverpool. Okay, so thank you to NetGalley for providing us with Mm -hmm. the advanced review copy of this. So I hadn't heard of this book before. We kind of got an email suggesting that these are the audiobooks that are kind of available for review copy and is kind of Mm -hmm. one that you chose. So you have previously did your work experience with the company that published this is that correct yes so the publisher that publishes the print book is under the stories and that's where I did some work experience while I was at uni in Sheffield they're a Sheffield-based independent publisher and they're fantastic um I really love them and they've yeah been so great uh for me so yeah I did some work experience and some freelance stuff with them and so coincidentally I'm pretty sure it was the exact same day that you forwarded me that email from NetGalley about this is what there is. When I saw that I was sat in the train station because I was about to go to Sheffield for Under the Stories' 10th birthday celebration. Okay. <laughs> um, the coincidence is ridiculous. So yeah, yeah. and I recognise the cover. They've kind of got a, a new angle with covers for this um, new year of books, uh, and they all look fantastic. And this one's really interesting with like bugs all over it, and eyes done in a really nice kind of block pattern. So I'm not an art person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of, yeah illustrations that are sort of uh, line and colour and it's it's really, really cool. Um, so I recognised it instantly and suggested that we could request that one because I knew of the print publisher. So yeah, and then that evening when I was at the 10th birthday celebrations, Mona, among with some other authors, was actually there giving a reading. So I heard a little clip from this one. I think it was the um, second section that she read out then. So that was my little taster before we got approved for the actual copy so yeah so yeah so it's a it's a fascinating book in a lot of ways mm. um so when i first started listening to it so the chapters are quite short um mm-hmm. and mona reads i believe mona uh, narrates the book yes yes herself. She does, yes and when i first started listening to it i thought is this a novel or is it kind of like a book of poetry mm. because it kind of like the first few chapters at least are quite and kind of like quite short and they do when you're listening to them, they do sound very, very much like verse rather yeah. than prose. I don't know what were your kind of first impressions listening to those first few chapters. 
I think pretty much agree with you. Yeah, definitely her poetry background certainly comes through. And it is quite a, you know, non-standard form, I guess is one way of, of saying it for writing a novel, this disjointed parts of a story in, in short sections. And that's one thing that And Other Stories really loves. They um, have on their website, and especially for submissions, that they're shamelessly literary, I think is the phrase. Um, so that kind of experimental stuff is very much uh, that kind of thing for acquiring. And yeah, I think I did... I did find that kind of poetryness, that sort of idea of languages being used to create an atmosphere sort of thing, and it's quite abstract, is definitely your experience as you go through it, I think. But I think it's one of those things where once you get to the end of it, or or when you get further into it, you see how it all comes together. Yes, I think that's kind of the thing that I struggled with kind of initially, is... So I, I think the best way to describe it is like each chapter is kind of like a separate episode in her, in her life. So it's not kind mm-hmm. of like in other you know, novels, kind of like this thing happened to X character and then kind of the next chapter is kind of like dealing with the consequences of mm-hmm. that. Th- this is very much more kind of taking separate episodes in her life and describing what happened in that episode. And then we don't really see what the fallout of that particular Mm, you know yeah. that particular section is going to be until kind of like there's a there is a, a narrative strand running through mm-hmm. the, the novel and it is it is a novel but it's you need to kind of like really pay attention this isn't you know usually when i'm listening to audiobooks sometimes i like to have something else on doing mm. something you know i'm doing something sort of writing or tidying my room or whatever this does require your full attention mm. I, I mean i couldn't even listen to it on the underground i had to kind of actually set aside some time and actually sit down and actually properly listen to it um so i don't know what you felt about the amount of um concentration required to kind of fully appreciate what she was doing with the text yeah well i mean what a review that is really from the head saying (laughs) that this book made him stop and dedicate full time to it yeah (laughs) definitely yeah um no i think that's a very fair thing to say there is a lot going on and it does ask for your attention. And I think not in a way where it's like, um, oh, if you miss that person's name, that's it, you're ruined. It's not given enough detail. It, you know, it's not guiding you through. It's not that sort of thing. It, I think it is that thing of it's an experience. It's, it's an experience. Listen, it's an experience. Read, it's, you're being immersed in it, but from these disjointed pinpointy yeah. ways, um, it really does, like you say, it, it begs your attention. It asks for you to be absorbed a little bit in the language in the story in the characters um yeah so yeah. maybe a bit wishy-washy my description yeah. of that but yeah I, I, I think that's I think that is it is fair because more than maybe any other novel well novel that I've listened to to recently kind of the most important things are kind of like the really small moments that she doesn't actually like punctuate mm. that you know that heavily um so um, let's let's start. You, you kind of mentioned characters here mm. in the last thing that you said there. So we've got, I think, essentially four main characters. We've got Ruby, we've got Rania, we've got their mother and their father. But I don't know where to, where to kind of like begin with the characters. Ruby's our, our main protagonist. And in the blurb, it does kind of mention it, it's semi-autobiographical. So I'm just wondering whether Ruby's based on Mona or her sister, or maybe it's an amalgam of different people in her family i found her as a character really curious that 
it's a character that you sympathize a lot with but then she does do some things that are quite challenging and downright awful throughout the novel as well and kind of just her mechanism of coping with what's happening within her family I felt was really interesting Mm. yeah so because it's spoken about a lot how she chooses not to talk she prefers not to talk and a lot of the book is focused on how everyone's trying to cure her of this um and different kind of professionals that she sees about it her response to them how different people in her life respond to it how teachers respond her sister who you know for the most part is really supportive and and everything of it and it's interesting you're saying about the kind of autobiographical stuff because I wondered that as well it's sort of I was trying to work out where that settled um with it and I'm not fully sure either way anyway yeah, I think uh, I might have a slightly different experience listening to this than you did because it really is kind of like a second generation story. Mm. I, uh, you know, myself kind of, you know, my mum and dad moved here kind of the 1970s, 1980s. And there, there, there's a lot of, about the way that their family interacts with their community that are really recognised, kind of like the aunties, um, and this permeating like taboo to, about talking about mental illness uh, mm-hmm. mental health as well uh i think it's something i definitely recognize and yes yeah, so i i mean just kind of like from that end you know i really kind of you, i can tell that she put a lot of her own experience into that mm-hmm. that's not something someone from outside like the second generation culture there's like lots of little details you wouldn't be able to get that unless you'd kind of lived it so that's another thing that i took from the book as well i don't know if that kind of like sometimes that can act as a barrier to some readers or listeners kind of when there's so much of that kind of like uh experience into novels just wondering how you took that as well yeah certainly no definitely didn't see it as a barrier and is it's just so good to hear experiences isn't it you know we've spoken about this before and obviously I cannot relate to it on a personal level of those things and but have been fortunate enough to you know hear similar things from like comedians that I follow and stuff like that um so yes not aware in a personal sense but I recognized a lot of what she was saying from what I've heard from comedians that have had similar experiences yeah probably more comedians than authors I think but definitely a lot of stand-up that I've watched has has touched on those sorts of things Um, and yes certainly you'll have a different experience of that and I think that's a good point that yes that's probably a lot of where the autobiographical stuff comes and I suppose I was meaning I didn't know where the stuff about not speaking how that that, relates to her life and her experience of that I don't know yeah, yeah, that's kind of like so. You know, there's the the, the you know the, the second generation stuff, but there is also that other stuff. Kind of, like, I'm, I'm also mm. like curious about kind of like it's, it seems like a really deeply personal novel. So um, mm. I'm, I'm kind of assuming that some of the the mental health stuff has affected her family at some point, and probably also with the human rights stuff that she's done. Yeah. I guess and yes, witnessing yeah. other people experiencing stuff like that, I would yeah. have thought is a big part. Yeah. So you kind of touched on that like comedy. This is, it's a beautiful book in that it kind of, it runs that full gamut of things from like poignant to tragic uh, to comedic Mm. to like slice of life observation. It is, for me, there's so many lines that were kind of deeply, deeply funny and kind of, I've just, I've noted one down kind of 
a lot of the text is concerned with the way that women are supposed to be perceived mm. i think that's kind of my interpretation and kind of i think there was one section where she was talking to an auntie I overheard a conversation with an auntie and uh, the, the line that had me giggling mm. like for a considerable amount of time was that her worry about being as unmarried as a coconut mm. had me absolutely uh, i was just like that is and the way she delivered it was just like yeah it was just uh, it was like perfect so i was just wondering how you felt kind of it ran through those things of like being funny and being tragic and being poignant and being sad and then hopeful and all those sorts of things kind of what did you think the overall tone of the text was yeah that's really interesting and i think it does mix about quite a bit Um i'm not sure i had as many like laugh out loud moments but yeah. um i did think yeah there was some wit to a lot of stuff. I one thing I really liked was obviously poetry background. Imagery is yeah. going to be really good, and imagery yeah. like that simile there. And there was a, a metaphor of her dreams leaking out of her mouth, which I yes. thought when she was talking in her sleep, which I just thought was incredible. I really loved that one. And yeah, and I think it does, and it and it changes tone. And there are more kind of day-to-day things that are made light of and then there are bigger things that are taken really seriously and I found I guess I referenced this when we were talking about character before I found an exchange with Ruby and Rania when they were lay next to each other in the bed and that sisterly moment of support for each other and yeah it's it was a really poignant moment and I think that definitely shows through that that's written very well and that yeah you have peaks and troughs of different kinds of emotions i think throughout it yeah and it is kind of a coming of age story mm. as well in a lot of ways uh the other thing that really kind of struck a chord with me was ruby's struggles with like, seeking affection from boys mm. and you know the various suitors that she comes across and either rejects or chases after that kind of like sense and I think this is something that maybe is an underlying theme of the, of the book is kind of like wanting to be wanted by someone. Mm. And I think because of, you know, her mother being away so often, I think there is kind of her need to have affection. And I'm not saying that she doesn't receive affection from her sister and her father, but kind of that affection that you do get from your mother, I think is also kind of quite important. I think that is the other thing that kind of like came across to me in Ruby's character. Yeah. And I think it's sort of, as if the two sisters are, I guess, what could be considered polar opposites of having that need. So sort of Ruby retreating into herself and Rania being more um, extroverted and going out and seeking affection and the fact that their behaviours of kind of loud and quiet, well-behaved in air quotes and, and not so much. And... It's yeah. it's sort of as if it's taken of here's the two extreme ends of how people can be tempted to respond to that feeling of wanting love and acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a curious it's not something that had occurred to me until you just said it now. Okay. Kind of like they are kind of like polar opposites in terms of, you know, Rania's kind of very much the more confident of the sisters. Mm-hmm. She's the one who's going out there, you know, wearing going out outfits kind of in a strange way, I, don't, I hate using this word, but kind of like the more westernized of the right. two sisters were kind of like Ruby's a little bit. They're kind of from an Asian culture. They're both acting in a way that's kind of like 
unacceptable but unacceptable in kind of like different ways it's kind of because you know what ruby does is like remaining like quiet it would i don't want to say weird but kind of the it, it would be kind of like oh, what's going on yeah you know with the girl over there and yeah it's interesting that you kind of you picked up on that yeah and i think it definitely is referenced in it and probably as you say you you'll pick more up from it than i will in sort of subtext but a lot of it being about expectations for women and expectations from yeah. um, women in those families and stuff like that definitely seems to be a, a big part of it so we've talked about Rania a little bit as well that i found her relationship with her sister quite i don't know what what the were is it was strained in parts but you can definitely tell they, they had like a deep attachment yeah to each other i think it's kind of that sort of thing you can only really be truly mean to the people that you love <laughs> um a lot um and you know rania does kind of treat to like um a piece of um like i don't know furniture sometimes and you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about that section in the book where they kind of she drags her along to mm-hmm. a party yeah and kind of like that's what i just need you to come along so that dad will let me come out yeah that sort of thing so then um I was just wondering if you wanted to kind of talk about Rania a little bit more and what you felt about their relationship. Yeah, it can do. I think it definitely rang true to me as quite a sisterly relationship, I think. Yeah. You have that um, highs and lows of being their biggest advocate and also <laughs> being not, 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 not the best to them kind of thing. And yeah. yeah, but I thought ultimately it was that, love that came through for me for sure with the two of them but also interesting because um ruby has a sort of sisterly-ish relationship with another friend who has a younger sister and they sort of they almost swap older and younger sisters don't they yes, um, yeah. kind of swap the pairs around which is quite interesting witnessing that relationship as well and the difference between them and the bits of jealousies as well when the different sisters are like you know why is yeah. my sister with that sister and all that sort of thing yeah it's interesting oh uh, it's good that you mentioned kind of the other pair of sisters because one of the other lines that really goes through the book is kind of how you try out different versions of yourself mm. as you're growing up and ruby never actually really does that she kind of like i'm not saying she doesn't develop as a character but you can kind of see that you know certainly you know when they go into kind of secondary school there i think there's a boy that she fancied that kind of like takes on a different persona and then i think the younger sister and the mm-hmm. other pet changes personality a lot and i think ryan also changes personality kind of like through the book as well where ruby kind of still uses the same tools to cope with her mum's mental illness as she's kind of been using since childhood so that's kind of like she doesn't attempt that i mean there's a specific bit in the book where her dad says like look secondary school nobody knows you you can be somebody else and she doesn't really kind of like take that opportunity so i was just wondering um if that spoke to you in any way at all i'm not sure i'd thought of it specifically as kind of not changing and also because i think like you say that response stays constant she doesn't want to speak but things like how she still responds and interacts with people so she stood yes. up to a teacher with a revised contract for the club thing or something <laughs> like that i love that 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 church thing yeah yeah and she <laughs> sends where in childhood a friend of hers told her that she wouldn't be friends with her anymore because of where her family was from yeah she then as this previous friend gets older and is in a relationship with someone 
from the similar background, her response to that is not the response that the original girl who'd been rejected by a friend um, yeah. on racial grounds would have done. So I think that trying to avoid spoilers is quite an evidence of, okay, well, maybe on the outside you think she hasn't changed because this behaviour of not speaking is the same. I think still a lot of her personality does alter as she gets older and she does reflect on things and soak things up and becomes, yeah, an older, more experienced person and that and a person going through, you know, teens, puberty, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. There is a lot of teen angst mm. in this story. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. It's kind of like her transformation, a lot of it is kind of like internal. The, the only kind of really big external act that she takes on is at one point where she saves her head. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from that, she doesn't really change her external self too much. I think that there's one particular... Uh, incident that we're both desperately trying not to talk about mm. um that happens kind of later on in the book and we, we will try to avoid spoilers too much in this because if we give away too many of the incidents and the events that happen it kind of i think it, with this particular text it will kind of change the experience yeah. that you have with it so it's kind of like yeah so yeah we'll maybe talk uh i, I do want to talk to you about it offline but we'll, we'll talk about it <laughs> kind of offline um I think it's important as well, just on what you were saying about kind of the, of her not choosing to use her voice and stuff like that. And I think it doesn't have a, it's not a kind of book that has a, a moral to it in that sense. No. But I think it does because you are hearing her thoughts and you are hearing how not good the process of other people trying to get her to talk is. <laughs> I think yes. I think it really does champion for that not insistence on a cure, air quotes again, and not insistence on everyone fitting what we think should be normal. Um, And like I say, I don't think it gives a hard line moral to it, but I think it is stepping towards trying to have a bit more of an open mind and acceptance on that, I guess. And this is partly, I think, where I'm curious about the autobiographicalness or what Mona's experiences are with that um because obviously it's more important to hear from someone who whose experience that is you know to know how they feel about it and that that sort of thing um and yeah. unfortunately we don't have much about you know people who choose to be mute in books tv film whatever as we don't with a lot of other things and that when we do it tends to be written by those who do speak you know yeah um and who are not, I guess, part of that community is sort of the way to phrase it. So yeah, I'm I'm rambling a little bit, but I think sort yeah. of my point being, I think it does aim to raise this idea that we shouldn't be working towards an ideal where everyone is normal and everyone speaks and everyone gets cured of all yeah. these things and and stuff like that. That um, yeah, I think that's definitely one one of the many strands of this book. I think. Yeah, I think kind of just building on what you what you're saying there i think a lot of the treatment that she gets is kind of what's the right way for this is kind of it's, it's a period novel in a lot of ways because I, you know the sense that i've got this it's not set in the modern day i think it's uh, because there's no reference to mobile phones and things like that i think it's very much that for me it felt like it was set in 
um, the 80s or the mm. 90s. And I think a lot of the attitudes of the characters and the people throughout the book are affected by that, especially mm. kind of around mental health, kind of the treatment that both Ruby and her mother mm. receives. And, you know, just speaking about, you know, Ruby's mother, like the mental health condition that maybe someone who's got, you know, a bit better knowledge of different mental health conditions would be able to kind of identify what uh, afflicted Ruby's mother, but she never specifically says, oh, she's affected by such and such mm -hmm. conditions. So there's also that thing is kind of like, oh, does Ruby actually know what is happening to her mother and kind of why, or is that just being hidden away from her as mm. it's been kind of hidden away from the reader listener? I think that's probably a very good point. I think because it is, written from Ruby's perspective, you know, you are getting what Ruby gets, you get that, you know, she knows her mum's not here at times, yeah. you know, she goes and visits her where she is and she knows that she is there and she knows how she responds there. She knows that there's at one point where the staff there don't want her to go in and see her and stuff. She knows kind of exchanges that happen in the garden with a neighbour, but she doesn't know everything. And I think, yeah, that's a very good point. I think it's possibly partly one of those things of, you know, when we're talking about how it affects children, those things about what do children know? How is it communicated to children? And especially if other people in the family don't want to acknowledge it to even yes. adults in the family, then yeah. acknowledging it to kids adds another level on that that they're going to not want to do. Yeah. So we haven't talked really much about Mona's narration mm. I thought she did a fantastic yeah. job of reading this there was uh what's the phrase I'm looking there was kind of a light touch to the way that she narrated it and I don't know there's kind of like not humorful but there's kind of a witty you can kind of like there's an intelligent aspect to the way that she kind of narrates you can kind of like tell that she's really intelligent in the way right. that she narrates the book and there's kind of like this lightness of touch to the way that she narrates as well that I found really engaging yeah, I think that's fair. I think she's got a real command of the language that she's written, you know, and that probably a lot of that comes with her poetry background. And, you know, she'll have really thought about each word and how it should sound and that sort of thing, I think. I also thought um, there was one particular voice that really stood out to me because there was one older character and the old lady voice was just was just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah. that kind of crackle that you have on I'm thinking mainly actually TV stuff and stuff like that of you know you ask someone what does an old person sound like and the impression that they do but it was just yeah. it, it really stood out to me as being really good and yeah I thought she did fab I thought the pacing was really good and yeah engaging to listen to definitely yeah and I think I, I don't know what her performance of the book was like at the reading that she did at um the 10 year anniversary but she narrates with a beautiful rhythm and mm. i think part of that is down to the text and i think part of that is probably down to the fact that she's a poet that's used to reading her work out in public mm -hmm. as well so i think that aspect of it definitely lent something to the production mm -hmm. as well yeah agreed okay so is there anything else on your notes that you kind of want to talk about or we touched on everything um, well, sort of kind of, I guess, in a summary sense of things, I had a couple of things to bring up. Kind of going back to the metaphors and stuff, because I kind of wanted to really stress this yeah. point that if you're the kind of person that does really like a good metaphor, yeah, I think even if you're not interested in anything else about it, this would be a really good book to listen to. And especially so I did a lot of studying sort of 
theories on metaphor at uni and sort of how the human brain thinks of metaphor and also how the human brain just works in terms of metaphor, like sees everything in terms of metaphor. Really interesting, really loved it and sort of pulls on artificial intelligence stuff because a lot of this was brought about because they were trying to replicate human brains in computers and realised actually quite how much stuff goes on um, and how much we map our knowledge that we have of one topic onto another and how that is a metaphor in itself and just that's how we function. I will stop nerding out about that now. But my point being, I think, you know, if I were doing that module again, then this text, incredible mine of resources for different metaphors and how they can pull on different things and, uh, yeah, produce such an amazing atmosphere. So I'd definitely say that. And then on a rather flipped note, but you can definitely be a person that agrees with both, there was quite a lot of specific, like, technical gardening stuff in there I sort of indicated how there was kind of bugs on the cover and plants on the cover and there was discussions with a neighbor and these were about gardening and I do think as well because it does actually form quite a big part of the book and because it is done quite technical I think if you yourself or people in your life are into gardening I think this is an angle that would really make you keen on listening to this book as well and then hopefully you'd enjoy the other aspects of it too i thought yeah i think so all right so just again speaking from a personal perspective mm. like gardening is something that a lot of women from the southeast asian culture love okay, doing yeah. it's kind of like really you know the way that they keep fit it's kind of like a point of pride for them kind of like when uh, other aunties and relatives come over to so see this plant that I've grown, see this fruit that I've grown and stuff like that. So I think the, the gardening metaphor stuff kind of, you know, that mad dash to try and like plant things at midnight or um, trying to control. There's a really beautiful section where they've got a neighbor next door that kind of gives her a lot of advice about how to do the gardening mm. stuff. And, you know, this thing about trying to keep nature and wildlife at baying so yeah there's a there's a lot of like technical gardening mm. talk that kind of if you know about gardening you might be able to take a deeper uh, level of meaning from it than um probably even myself yeah. <laughs> did but definitely the gardening thing is a big thing in kind of like southeast asian culture so yeah you know, that is actually one of the notes that i've um i've got on up on my list ah. as well so yeah yeah nice. yeah well that's really interesting to know how those two parts of it intersect i didn't know that otherwise yeah um so the audiobook's quite short i can't remember how long it is i think it's i believe it's about five hours Um... yeah five hours so it's yeah even if you're you know a two time speed (laughs) yeah just just slow down it's only five hours just take your time oh four listen to it for four hours come on you know just yeah just take your time and listen to it you can kind (laughs) of do that over a couple of um couple of evenings i think i really enjoyed it it's something out of all the books that i've listened to this year this is it's one of them that's actually probably lingered with me the most afterwards i'm still kind of thinking about different things that happened to the characters not so much the verse or the metaphors of that i think really struck a home with you but Mm. just kind of the way that mona describes like different experiences really struck a chord with me i think especially you know my mother died earlier well last year now kind of the one year anniversary was um last month Mm -hmm. and you know that stuff about ruby kind of like needing her mum and stuff like that really touched my heart as well so yeah it's um 
it's a beautifully written book. I'm curious to see how what the written form of the book, like you know, what the published book actually looks like mm. to see if like it does look like verse or if it's written as a novel. So I'm probably going to buy a copy, a hard copy of this just to see. Under the stories will be pleased. Yeah. Yeah. To see if there's a difference yet. So this is highly recommended from me. Yeah. Please go out and buy a copy of the audiobook or, you know, buy a book from your local bookshop <laughs> as well. Yeah. So I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, Poppy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm really pleased that you, liked it so much definitely really yeah. pleased about that um and i i did as well i thought it was good i like you alluded to earlier i wasn't a thousand percent convinced at the start not that i disliked yeah. it but i wasn't into it yet because it is the kind of thing that you need to get into you need to soak it up and you don't realize that you've got such a clear picture of the characters in the world until you know, near the end, and then you're like, oh, yeah. I feel like I've known them all my life sort of situation. Um, it's a really kind of window into a world rather than the classic, like, story narrative. And that has really stuck with me because it it does, it does leave you lingering because you suddenly realise you've been pulled so close into something that you didn't realise you had. And yes. I think that's a really yeah. powerful effect that it has to leave over you, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's almost, like, insidious, <laughs> the way it kind of like it gets it closing. Oh, you didn't tell me we were like, getting that close. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's um highly highly recommended for me. And so, uh, this is the last episode of this season, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be taking a, a bit of a break over. I think December. I've started a new job. Poppy's quite busy with her work, so we just need a little bit of time to decompress, think about what we're going to be doing for next season. We will be back in the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, with more guests, more reviews and stuff like that. So I was just wanting to thank everyone who's listened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been really great to interact with people over like social media and get authors in touch who want us to review mm-hmm. their books. Yes, I just re- really deeply thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Same. Thank you so much for listening and people that have reviewed and who've got in touch with us and stuff. It's been, it's it's really good. Even just a line that says, you know, I really enjoyed listening. Just honestly makes our day. Really, really does. So yeah. And hearing recommendations, hearing your thoughts on the books and stuff like that. If there's anything that you want us to review in season three, let us know. Uh, I'm sure we can uh, give that a go. So yeah, thank you so, so much for listening. I'm having so much fun doing this podcast. And yeah, I just, yeah, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I don't know if you saw the announcement earlier on this week, but kind of like Terry Pratchett's going to be yes, getting new. Yes, yeah, I was so. going to talk to you about that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're going to try and get our hands on that. Ah, <laughs> at some point. Okay, guys, thank you so much. Thank um, you. And we'll, we'll see you in the new year. Yeah, have a lovely holidays. Bye. Thanks, bye.